Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the wonderful series sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted at OU.org, in which we examine in each podcast one aliyah of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. It's my pleasure to be studying this week's parasha, Parashat Mishpatim, with you. And today we will look at the second aliyah, which continues immediately off of the theme with which we ended the first aliyah, which is battery and assault. Uh, the beginning of the second Aliyah, which is a Perak Chafal of Pasuk Chaf, chapter 21, verse 20, deals first with a man, beforehand we had a private citizen, a free citizen, attacking another free citizen. Now we'll be dealing with a citizen attacking a slave. This is, this slave here is an Eved Kna'ani, meaning a non-Jewish slave. He hits him with a staff, with a stick. And the person uh, dies. Nakom yinakem. Then there is uh, payment for that. There is a uh, punishment. But if he stands for a day or two and then dies, meaning that the person gets up and there's a din in the in uh, in uh, Vakama we refer to as a din yom yomayim. If he's able to get up uh, for a day or two. Then, uh, then there is no nakama because after all it's your own slave. And then if afterwards he died, so then there's no payment, no one to whom to make payment. If two people get in a fight, and, uh, we continue on with issues of battery and assault. Here we're dealing more with the theme that we dealt with at the end of the first aliyah and in the previous pasuk, which is incidental, um, tragedies. Um, because the implication in the previous uh, pasuk, the one with which we started the podcast, is that the person attacked the slave inadvertently, meaning he didn't mean to kill him, meant to punish him or or strike him. If two people are fighting, now this parasha is going to teach us several very significant foundational halachot. And they attack a woman who's pregnant, and she loses the child. I mean, there's no tragedy, meaning she doesn't die. Literally, the man, meaning the attacker, will be punished as the husband lays it down, meaning as per an amount, that's what he has to pay for, and it's given with judges. What it means is there's an assessment of the value of damage. How that's assessed, that's a sugyan but if there is a death, then there's a life for a life. So this, of course, would only refer to a case where there's intentional killing. And this, of course, is a very big sugya in the beginning of Achovel, that we don't really poke out somebody's eye if they knocked out someone's eye or a tooth. The same thing for a hand and a foot. We estimate the personal value with that limb and without that limb, etc. And there's the sugya, the beginning of Achovel, has eight different answers for how we know Ayin Tachadayin is not literal, which shows you it was a very testy issue. Kfiyah tachat kfiyah, burn for a burn, atzah, a wound for a wound, chabura tachat chabura. A chabura is a wound that draws blood. Okay. Back to, again, a person attacking a slave, but here nobody dies. Um, and by the way, in, as I mentioned, there's a foundational halachot in the previous parsha, in, when we said, vimason hiyeh, natanafesh tachat nafesh. 
So if there's no asson, you pay. If there is an asson, then you die, and you don't pay. And this is the source for the famous rule, come lay that the punishment, the greater punishment that you get, subsumes the lesser. And that's why we have the dean of enometu mishalem. You cannot be executed and also die, and also have to pay, I mean, have the state pay for damages, if the damages were part of the same act that also generated the uh, capital conviction. If a person attacks his slave's or slave girl's eye and destroys it, then the slave goes free uh, in lieu of his eye. Same thing with the teeth. For knocking out a tooth. And the sugya in Kiddushin goes through all 24 limbs that if a, a master um, strikes them and here's where the master is more chamor because if someone else strikes it and um, and makes the Eved uh, disabled then he the Eved stays an Eved and then he owes money to the master for disabling his property if on the other hand the master does it then uh, then the Eved goes free. This may be a polemic against a practice that we find in several near, near Eastern Writings in which masters would deliberately brand slaves in order to uh, either mark them as slaves or else in order to make them unable to run away. Uh, a, an example of this may be the story of Nachash Amoni, which we dealt with in our OU series, Nach Yomi, Shmuel Aleph, Perakid Aleph. Now we've moved from Nizkei Adam to Nizkei Mamon, meaning when a person attacks, everything that we've had so far at the end of the first Aliyah and the beginning of the second was about a person attacking deliberately, not deliberately attacking a free person, attacking a slave. And now what happens if your property attacks? But we're going to go down in grades. My property attacks a person. So if I have an ox or another animal, it doesn't matter, that attacks a man or a woman and they die, the animal must be stoned. And the animal is can't eat its flesh. And the owner of the ox has no personal liability. In other words, his liability is only that he loses his ox because this ox killed a person. Here we're introduced to the concept of shor mu'ad, a shor that already has a predilection, a tendency. We've testified about him that he is violent. Mitzmol Shulshom tells us two or three days, and there you have the big machloket about what happens if a shor attacks three times in one day. Is he still mu'ad? Does it have to be over the space of three days? And then all of the sugyot in the middle of Baba Kama about what happens if he does it every other day, once a week, only on Shabbos, on Rosh Chodesh, etc. And he has to be uh, attested to in the presence of his master, and the master still doesn't watch him, and then he kills a person. Literally, both the ox and the master die. The master, of course, does not die because he didn't do anything, but he is personally punished besides the loss of his ox for his negligence, and that's a payment called kofer, which we get to now. In kofer, yushat alav natan pidyon nafsho. That is a payment for himself, and here the im is not if, but sort of then. This happens also, not just if an adult, but if a child is killed. But if the shore kills a slave or a slave girl, then the, uh, he has to pay 30, piece, 30 talents 
of silver to the master and the ox is killed. The ox is killed because it killed a person. And we can't have an animal walking around and say, oh yeah, that's the animal that killed that person. The animal has to be killed. The question is, what's the liability of the master? So we have three grades here. If he killed a free person and the ox had no, had no violent history, however we're going to define that, then the ox is killed and that's it. If, on the other hand, the ox had a violent history and the master was negligent, then the master, in addition to losing the ox, has to pay a payment which you call cofair, which is to May Mazik, to Nizak, discussion about how we assess that. The third is, if the animal killed an an Evid or a Ma, then there's a payment of Shloshim Shkalim straight up. The animal again has to die, but Shloshim Shkalim given to the master. Parenthetically, there's an interesting uh, piece of history to that last line. Um, the uh, the critics in their day uh, loved to point to this pasuk as being an example of what they referred to as the documentary hypothesis that the Torah really represented different traditions um, and uh, that they were redacted later and they pointed to the fact that when Yosef was sold in Sefer Breshit the Torah uh, uh, records a payment of 20 pieces of silver and here the payment for a slave is 30 pieces of silver so there's lots of ways to answer it up by saying that th- that just happened to be what they were charging out in the desert and this is what the Torah institutes as a the payment there it's the pay- payment for a slave here it's payment for an, an extra indemnity for the fact that the slave was killed by your animal, but if you take a look into epigraphic uh, uh, testimony, you find that in the 18th century BCE the time of the Avot the going price for a slave was 20 pieces of silver, and by the time you get to around the 14th century BCE the time of Matan Torah, all of the epigraphic evidence indicates that a going price for a slave was 30 pieces of silver so again it's reflecting what the uh, inflation and the fact that at the time of Matan Torah, that is the uh, going price. One of many ways to answer what is really a fairly uh, uh, weak uh, challenge. In any case, now we continue to deal with Nizkemamon, where a person's property damages. Now we dealt with a, person proper, a person's property damaging, in the previous piece, a person. Now, meaning that his animal did, uh, hurt a person. If a person opens up a cistern or digs a cistern, doesn't cover it up. An animal falls in. The owner of the cistern has to pay. He has to pay with money to the master. Does this mean meaning that you that you pay him for the difference between the live animal and the dead animal, and the master gets the carcass and does whatever he does, selling the pelt, whatever he can get from it. Um, and uh, and that's what we refer to as Nizke Bor. And now we continue with Nizke Mamon la Mamon, because notice here, no person was attacked. A cistern was the source of the death of an animal. Now what happens if an animal attacks an animal? Meaning one person's animal attacks another animal. Yigof means to push or to, to push against. Vamet, and he kills him. And as we'll find out in a minute, this is referring to an ox that had no history of violence, and it suddenly attacked another shore, and it killed him, they split the value of the money, meaning that, let's say, my ox is worth uh, $1,000, and it damaged your ox, that's worth $500. So we take the $1,000 that's worth my ox, the value of my ox, we sell it, you get 500 I keep 500 
because this ox, I, didn't, I had no reason to watch him because he had no history. And there's Machlokot, famous Machlokot Amorim, or Papa Rovzvid, about whether this is a Knast or Mamon. And um, in the meantime, the 500 that your carcass is worth, the carcass of your animal is worth, we split also. I get 250, you get 250. But, Ono Da, but let's say we find out that this ox had a history and there had been testimony in court about it for two or three days. Again, the issue of how much, how frequently, and how close together is Nagihot. Then you have to pay for the full ox and the mate is yours. And again, who's, who gets the mate? A discussion in Bamakama. Kignov ish shor and now we move on from Nizke Mamon to Nizke Adam Bimamon, meaning when a person attacks Mamon by stealing. Up until now we had a person attacking a person, and then Mamon attacking a person, Mamon attacking Mamon, and now a person attacking Mamon, filling in the picture. If a person steals an animal, an ox or a lamb, and he slaughters it or sells it, the famous Rashav Rabbi Yochanan, you have to pay five times the value if it's an ox, and four times the value if it's a lamb. Uh, this is the famous payment of Arba V'chamisha. The reason Rabbi Yochanan gives al Hadrash of why the payments are split this way is he says that shows you the Torah's regard for a person's dignity is the Ganav, uh, to, how to take the lamb in his hands and walk him out. And as opposed, and, and carry him out, as opposed to the ox that he let him out. And so, he only has to pay four times because he, his dignity was lowered by having to carry him. Now, let's say this ganav is found on the way into the house. The dean of machteret. Literally, on his way digging into the house. And the house owner finds him and kills him. He has no blood, meaning he has no value. Meaning, there is no um, liability on the part of the house owner for killing the intruder. Now, here's the kicker. But if the sun rises on him, then there is value. And this is a separate piece. But literally means if the sun comes up, then his life does have value. And so the pshat here is that if the person broke in during the day and you can see him, and you see he's only after your property and you killed him anyways, then you're hired for killing him. If on the other hand it was during the night, you didn't know who it was or what he wanted, and you killed him, then you're not liable. The famous Midrash Halacha on this is that if if it's clear to you as the light of day that person would not hurt you, for instance, a father breaking into his own son's property, the example given, then you're chayav. But if it's like night, which you don't know his intentions, then you're not chayav. So the Rambam in Hilchot Rotzeach regards this, uh, sorry, in Hilchot, uh, in Hilchot Gneva regards that drasha as a full supplantia of the pshat and says, therefore, if you have somebody who breaks in, uh, during the day, but it's not one of those close relatives, you're not chayav. The Ravid gives a gishri, the Ravid cries foul, on the spot and says you can never change you can never supplant pshat and he says even though the midrash halacha is of course lehalacha and therefore if during the night somebody who you know and you can see and they're not intending to harm you comes in and you kill them you're liable nonetheless if anybody breaks in during the day you're liable because of the pshat of mizachar shemeshalav damim lo and then im ein lo v'nim karbi and now we find out something new that if the ganav 
uh, cannot pay, he's caught and he can't pay back, then he, we sell him as a slave, as an Evid Ivri. The two kinds of Evid Ivri are somebody who sells himself as a slave, or usually due, due to extreme financial hardship, or somebody who steals and can't pay back and is sold by the Beitin. Uh, but let's say that we find the Gneva and his property. In other words, he did not, he was not caught coming in, he did not sell it or slaughter it, so it's not gone. Uh, therefore, as long as it's alive, then a Ganav has to pay double. A Gazlan does not, but a Ganav has to pay double, meaning if somebody burgles a house, then the property is found, he has to pay double, meaning he has to return the item and pay in money the value of that item. Okay, with this we end the second Aliyah. We'll continue on with the third Aliyah on the next podcast, which again will be all legal text, which we will have all the way through the fifth Aliyah uh, in Parshat Mishpatim. Everybody should have a wonderful day.